This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are very excited that you guys are back with us today. Uh, we're doing, we're back to wine. Last week we were doing cocktails in Paris. Yeah. And so we uh, took our wine glass and just moved just a little bit to the... To the southwest. And to the southwest. It's uh, Bordeaux. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited, you know. Most, uh, this is the wine, a lot of wine drinkers cut their teeth in, uh, in Bordeaux, and I'm really excited to get it going this week. But before we do that, we've got a blind to talk about, don't we, Dad? We didn't have a blind last week. But the week before. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so it was a liquor week, and so it was a liquor that you blinded, Josh blinded it. Mm-hmm. And it's in a green bottle, and somehow... Well, it was a green some, liquor. Somehow it was a green liquor as well. And what did you say it was, Josh? Uh, I said it was absinthe. Well, to do, to do. Yeah, and it is absinthe, and it's fifty-five uh, percent alcohol, hundred and ten proof, and it is very distinctive. It's a product of France. Yeah. So with absinthe, you know, drinking it, some people drink it straight, but you know, there's a whole, there's a whole like traditional methodology to how absinthe is served and absinthe spoons and the sugar, the flaming sugar cube and all that. But it is, it is a very distinct liquor and I'm, I'm, I'm happy I got that one correct. Well, maybe it wasn't that hard, Josh. <laughs> well, <laughs> you said there were only three choices, three uh, options. <laughs> I know. But I'm, once again, I'm glad, I'm, I'm still glad I got it right. Yeah. All right. All right, well, let's, uh, let's move into Bordeaux. And, Dad, what wine are you doing this week? I'm doing Chateau Graysac. So it's a Bordeaux area wine. And for my snacks, I have a very simple uh, Canterbury cheese sandwich. I have a, a steak, a ponce, which is pepper. And it has a cream sauce that's made from... Cognac. So um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to taste that. And then I have a half a cookie for each of us and a brownie for our dessert. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool. So speaking about the Cognac, well, I'll talk about the regional stuff later. And what vintage is it, Dad? My wine is a 2015 vintage. Okay. And alcohol-wise, it's 13.5. Very cool. All right, and I'm going to be doing the Chateau Turnfeld. Uh, 2016 from Lalonde de Pomerol, which is one of the sub-regions of Bordeaux. And I have, with my snacks today, I've got some Comte cheese as well as some Chev cheese uh, to do a little acid check. And then we have a, it's like a lamb T-bone, basically. So a oh, lamb, okay. they call it a lamb loin chop, but it looks exactly like a little T-bone or a little porterhouse from lamb with some shallots and bell pepper i'm glad you chose lamb because i was seeing that too in my studies yeah but i opted for the steak i really want i really want a duck i'm having such a hard time finding duck so that's right any listeners out there if you are duck hunters feel free free to reach out charlie feel free to reach out to us we'd love to get some duck i'm just gonna have to every time i see it i'm gonna have to start buying it yeah and just just have it and then as a little dessert i've got some macarons uh, yeah, I've got a okay. vanilla and a chocolate macaron. So, oh, that's cool. Pretty excited. So, just a little bit about the 
out of our glassware setup, you'll notice that if you notice on the Instagram, we have decanted both of these wines. One of the things decanting does is it allows wines to open up more, uh, get air access a little bit more, because some wines need that little bit of extra air to it. Uh, that's why sometimes you'll see people swirl wines as well. It helps to aerate the wine. But both of these wines have been decanted now for probably about 20 or 30 minutes. And really, we're going to notice these kind of changes we're going through. So something I want to do really quick, since just to kind of notice that change, we're going to be doing my dad's wine first. But dad, I want to try my wine right now. Okay. Um, and then we'll get back to it. Because at that point, it'll have been open for an hour. And I think it's going to change. change. Did you cool your wine down a little bit? I did. Um, I didn't. I don't have a wine chiller. Um, so I put it in the fridge for about 15 minutes to kind of bring the temperature down a little bit. That's um, probably about right. My wine chiller says, uh, 64 degrees for yeah. Bordeaux. So go ahead and go ahead and just kind of smell yours. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and just smell mine real quick. Just because I, re- I really kind of want to talk about the change that decanting can make. So what do you, what are you kind of getting or are you getting anything? There's not a whole lot there. Yeah. I, I suspect as it warms up, it will be there so can't yeah so i'm getting some floral and some fruit there's stuff there but it's like it's all coming at you at once and it's right. like kind of coming kind of confuses you yeah and so in wine terms we call this we call this the we're gonna we're gonna taste it too we call this with the wine being tight so if you ever hear people talk about oh the wine's tight it needs time it means all the aromatics of it are coming at you at once and they're not really kind of spread out and open and luscious like you would expect for some wines that don't need decanning so that's kind of a service tip, um, and I know Dad, you and I have talked about this. You know, if a wine, if you if you smell a wine and it's like, it, it, to me, it feels like the, everything's up in a balled up fist, mm. and so it gets it's tight. It, that's I mean it's tight. It needs a little time. It needs a little open up. Swirl it in your glass. Pour the rest of the bottle into the canner. <laughs> there are people and videos out there about super decanting, <laughs> where they'll they'll throw it in a blender. No they'll, way. Yeah, they'll blend it. Oh, it'll, my goodness. It gets a lot of air in there quick, but there's also a lot of tools out there for yeah. aeration, the little like one, uh, ones you pour over, like the Venturi's, uh-huh. um, a couple things like that. Those kind of work. And there's uh, one that you, uh, it's, it, it's like a little tube that is connected to a cork, put the cork in the bottle, and then when it comes out, it's coming out as a real small, thin right. stream. Which aerates it as it going into the bottle, right? right as it's into going your glass. Yeah. So just just know that it's out there, and let's go ahead and give it a taste too, because yeah, it's still you can still kind of tell that pretty tight. It seems like everything's just kind of balled up and not really showing very well. well some man. people think some people think that they'll taste a wine like that and be like, oh, well, it's just not good. No, it may just need more time to open up. So sit at the bar and have some <clears throat> snacks or something. Uh, yeah, well, sl- or slowly drink that glass. Slowly. If you're gonna have a glass, if you're having a bottle, how do you do that? You know, it takes some <laughs> self control. <laughs> or just know that if you're gonna have a, if you're having a bottle of it, go ahead and get it decanted. Yeah. Ask your waiter or waitress or whomever bartender to see if they can decant the bottle of wine. I've even decanted in a water pitcher before. Yeah. Like if I didn't have, you know, an actual wine decanter. But so, Josh, what's your rule of thumb of when to decant and when not to? So, for is there an age of the of the wine or what? So, for me, some of it is that it's actually more regionality. Um, so, I know that 
big, big California cab are going to taste good in the glass, but can, will also taste better if they get more air. Most, like Bordeaux's, like we're talking about, I would decant, I would put them in a decanter, even if it's, even if it's tasting okay, I'd still go ahead and put a decanter. When it comes to age, anything's over about seven years, I'll usually decant it. Mm. Um, There are a few instances where you want to be very careful if something is extremely old, um, because having that extra exposure to air, a lot of those aromatics can go away quicker. Right. But I usually say... And there's no difference between a white and a red as far as decanting? Well, when it comes to... Most whites aren't going to be decanted, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. except for old German Rieslings. Our old Rieslings can be decanted because the same thing. They, They have our little type, but they also will present some sulfur. So like struck match or mm-hmm. kind of those, those smells, you can decant those and decant that off. I can't remember. Did, did we decant the uh, 2011 Riesling that we no. had? And, no, we yeah, didn't. Didn't think we did. No, we're talking like 15 plus years when it comes to white wines. Yeah, um, okay. Or if there is an off smell, mm-hmm. like if there's some extra sulfur on it, like we've talked about sometimes I've blown into a glass to get that off. Mm-hmm you can go ahead and put that in a decanter and that, that will allow some of that to blow off naturally. Right. Right. But that's kind of, but just, that's just kind of a little heads up of what's going on on the table in front of us today. Cause it's kind of, it's a, we got a full, we got a full table going on today. That's right. But yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and dad and uh, get into your wine. Uh, what is it again? It's the Chateau Graysac. The Chateau Graysac is located in Mordoc. Med. Medoc. Medoc. You know, I never really figured out all those little hyphen things. <laughs> it was built in the 1700s and so has uh, enjoyed a long history. Mm-hmm. Uh, the estate was recently, 2012, purchased by the Jean Goulon family. Mm-hmm. Now, the Goulon family has gone back for, oh man, back in the 16... 16- I googled this name, Gene Goulon, and I come up with this guy that was like 1600 and something. So these guys have been around a long time too. Yeah, I mean, they've been making wine in Bordeaux since like the 1200s, like when the Romans, like this is one of those regions that's been making wine since the Romans. And, you know, have you ever heard of Eleanor of Aquitaine? No. So this region was also kind of known as an as the Aquitaine region. So it's it's. Oh, I did. Okay. I was looking around today, and I found these uh, videos about Aquitaine, and I go, "Well, this is wrong. This is not the right area." Right. So that's my so, experience. Yeah. So, so Eleanor of Aquitaine was a French royal that married an English prince that kind of connected the both the French and the and the English Empire. So there's a lot of English influence in this. So Bordeaux, like we talked about, is south. It's part of Southwest France. Um, it's influenced by three ri- by two rivers and an estuary. Mm-hmm. So and it's right on the coast. Okay. So this area was known for trading. So there's a lot of there's a lot of history going on. Like we're talking about. There's you know they were making wine for the Hundred Years' War okay. back in the thirteen back in the 1300s. Uh, so okay. yeah. 
Anyway, I didn't mean to kind of jump over, but no, that's all right. You know, it's kind of it's one of those things that there is so much history mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Bordeaux. Yeah. It's incredible. So this particular wine is sixty five percent Merlot, twenty nine percent Cabernet Sauvignon, three percent Cabernet Franc, and three percent Petit Verdot. So it's it's a beautiful blend. If you want to call it that, no, it is a blend. Yeah, so um, I don't. It's it's still just kind of air, you know, aerating, opening up. I, have you smelled it yet, Josh? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Both these wines are beautiful from the beautiful red color. Now, Josh's wine seems to have more of a purple look to it. Yeah. And I don't I don't know the reason why that would happen. So Maybe you do, right? Tell me tell me the percentages again. 60 65 Merlot. Okay. 29% cab. Cat which cab? Cabernet, Cabernet Sauvignon. Sauvignon. Okay. And then 3% the Cabernet Franc. Okay. And 3 Petit Verdot. Okay. Yeah, so like wine note, if you like Bordeaux wines, you can never say you don't like wines that are blends. Yeah. Because Bordeaux is a blend and so my dad just mentioned four grapes. There are five grapes that come into a Bordeaux blend. So we have Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet, Cabernet Franc, Merlot, Petit Verdot, and Malbec. Okay, mine so, doesn't have Malbec, but yeah, yeah. But those are the five. Those are the five grapes of Bordeaux. And so Malbec's you, a big wine uh, grape for Argentina, hmm. isn't it? Right. Yeah. And there's a, there's another region in southwest France called Cahors. Cahors, yeah. That does, that does Malbec wines as well. But those are the five main grapes of Bordeaux. And, you know, I was interested because usually we talk about, we t- so we talk about Bordeaux as a left bank and right bank. That's Bordeaux. right. And what that is. And is this a, is left bank. Yeah. So that was what side of the, of the Jordan estuary is it coming from? Or the Gorgon, or the Gorgon, I can never say that one right. The, the Gorgonia River, is it on the left side or is it on the right side? Now, this comes from the left side, which is usually more heavily Cabernet-based. Okay. So, so it's interesting that this one is, has a lot of Merlot in it. Yeah, I was surprised as well. Once again, if you like Bordeaux wines, you like Merlot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have a sideways moment here. Well, and it's, yeah, exactly sideways. And it's 13.5%. Now, I think mm-hmm. that's just kind of pretty standard of what they're going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I did notice, too, this is a 2015. So the 2015 is a 95-point wine based on the wine advocate in October of 2017. Right. So these wines will drink very well for a long time. For a long, long time. So. There's two, when it comes to Bordeaux, there's two really important things. There is location and vintage. Because vintage variation can mean the difference between a wine being, like a really high-end wine being $200 and being $2,000. Okay. But also we have, in that you have the, their grading system, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But what are you smelling in this wine, Dad? Like I said, it's it's fruit forward, I think. Or is fruit some of the blackberry 
some of that. It's not really a fruit, but as far as fruit, what are you saying? Well, well so for me, no, the first, first thing that I'm getting is I'm getting I'm getting earth. I'm getting barn. Yeah, I'm getting yeah. dried. I'm getting dried herbs. I'm getting that lovely, lovely horsey smell, and that goes along with having that that lovely, like good barn smell. So you'd be drinking this at Oakland? Uh, well, yeah, I drink this anywhere, but. <laughs> But you know, so speaking of that, you know that smell of a good barn or a horse, mm-hmm. that is that can be a good thing in some wines. Mm-hmm. It can also be a, a particular characteristic of a location, which that is from what's called Brett or Brettomyces, and that is something that is a that you want in a good Bordeaux, which this has. And then for fruit, I'm getting a lot of like, like you said, kind of blackberry, mm-hmm. cassis. Mm-hmm. But for me, the first thing that comes out is that barn. Mm-hmm. That good straw, hay, dirt. I guess we should have had some of those mushrooms to go with this. That is a very good pairing. Truffles are... Uh, uh, truffles are... I don't know if we can find truffles here in Arkansas. No, we can't. Well, we can. We just hang an arm and a leg. Okay. But yeah, truffles, those type of things are really good. So uh, what do you want to try first with this? Uh, the cheese sandwich. Okay, so tell us about the cheese sandwich a little bit. Well, it's a very simple cheese sandwich. So I took a baguette, I I cut it for the two slices we're going to have, and then sliced it down the middle, and then put a little balsamic vinegar on one side, and butter on both sides, and then toasted the bread, and then put the uh, camembert cheese on it. I also have a little side of onion, of the red onion that I, I sauteed in butter, if you wanted to add that to it. Now, we could have got real fancy, and we could have added peppers and mushrooms and all kinds of things, but I just wanted to keep it sort of simple. And the bread's crunchy, so you're going to hear us crunching a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, I heard you trying it, Josh. What do you think? Really good. The balsamic kind of cuts through the. <laughs> the balsamic cuts through the fattiness of the cheese really well. And the earthy umaminess of the camembert cheese that you have or that bunk mm. really goes well with the wine and kind of brings out more of the fruit on it. It's really good. Did you get more fruit then? Yeah, I, I did this time, you know, with the cheese. With the introduction of that earthiness of the cheese, it kind of brings out some of the fruitiness in the wine. Oh, yeah. I'm getting it too. Yeah. So So maybe some black currants now. Yeah. I'm definitely I can definitely see that current current going on it. Mm-hmm. But it still has that lovely earthy earthy undertone, which, you know, I love. That cheese kinda has an earthy, nutty mm-hmm. flavor. It's not as nutty as that uh Irish cheddar that you had last week. Uh-huh. But it's still got a little bit to it. I looked for a different cheese. I looked all over, well, not everywhere in Little Rock, but I looked for one that in France they call it the flower, and it's called Saint Albrey. Mm-hmm. And it's, it would have been the same, I would have done the same thing. I would have made the same kind of sandwich, little cheese sandwich. Yeah, so, that, so kind of what you were going for there is that funkiness of the cheese, the funky that fattiness. Is- of the cheese, which goes really well. And like you said, the balsamic kind of cuts through it a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Try it with the onion. It's actually really good. Okay. So these wines have a good bit of tannin structure. And remember, tannin is what dries, what dries you out in a red wine. What goes against tannin is fat. So if you want, if you're having something that has a lot of tannin in it, getting something that's fatty is really good. That's why with really fruit-forward California wines that don't have a whole lot of tannin, steak is actually not the best pairing for them. Mm. You want something that's got like a rip-your-face-off tannin. It's like a Barolo or a Barbaresco mm. or you know something that's got that good tannin to really deal with the fat of like a ribeye. Mm-hmm. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really cool to see what's going on with this because with the steak au pas that you did, he used uh, filet mignon which doesn't have mm-hmm. a whole lot of fat to it. Right. But it's going to be it's going to be a good pairing. So, when you So those onions, that's a whole lot sweet. I mean, a, a red onion is sweet compared to like a yellow or a white onion. And so, with that sweet onion, I got more bittering from the wine. Mhm. Cuz they were trying to counteract each other. Yeah. It did bring up kind of the acidity of it. Mhm. The sweetness played really well with some of that fruity characteristic mm-hmm. in the wine. So when you were doing your research on this on this week, did you did you read anything about the classifications of wine on the on the left bank? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think so. So the growths. Did you read anything about the growths? No. So the, some of the most expensive wine in the world comes from. Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. There was a classification for the left bank in 1855, and it's called the Official Classification of 1855. It ranked wine in the Bordeaux region by growth. So there's, there are, I gotta think about how many, there, I think there are six growth when it comes to the classification, five growths. There are five levels. So this was done in 1855 by Napoleon III to kind of set up, you know, how much you should pay for a particular wine. And it was based on, this is so strange, it was based on the chateau and the price that the wine was already selling at. Oh, okay. So it also also did some of the sweet wines or the white wines of the Jerome of the Dordogne. And so it set it up, but what it did was it kind of locked in these price structures. And so I'm sure you've, I'm going to, I'm going to list off some wines and I'm sure you've heard of them. Okay. Chateau Lafitte. Yes. Lafitte Rostra. Mm-hmm. Chateau Margaux. Mm-hmm. Latour. Haute-Briand. Yeah. Or Mouton Rothschild. Yeah. So those are all the first growths of the red wines of Bordeaux. And if you go try and buy those, you're going to pay hundreds of dollars for retail. And you may pay thousands of dollars in a restaurant. Oh, wow. Because they're set up and they are very, very good. I have had the opportunity to taste a couple of them. And they are very, very good. But it set up this system that is based on the chateau, not really the vineyard, like in a lot of other places. And it's static. So it hasn't changed. Oh. Well, there's been one change. 
Mouton, Mouton Rothschild actually started out as a second growth and then moved to being a first growth. Oh, okay. But it set up this system. But now they have these high standards. And so if one of the cool things about when you're looking at, when you're looking at Bordeaux is look at who owns what. Right. Because Lafitte, you know, $500 for a bottle makes a second label and a third label that are cheaper. Okay. And they're not classified. They're not the classified first growth. So they are cheaper, but they're still going to be really good wine because they're coming from the same maker. And same vineyard even, right? It, it could be the same right. vineyard. Yeah. Right. It may just not be up to scratch. Mm-hmm. That barrel may not be as good as the barrel next to it. So they're going to declassify that barrel and sell it under their second or, or other labels. So it's really important. And, you know, we talked about how Bordeaux's are blends mm-hmm. and it can be really hard to tell what's going on based on a Bordeaux label. Right. So learning the little intricacies of a label yeah. are really, really important. Now, I did notice on my label, it says Crew Borat, Borgalius. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, does yours say the same thing? So mine is from the other side of the river. Oh, okay. So my mine's a little different because mine comes from the right bank. It's a little different, but on there are still intricacies. So that crew, that crew board, I have to look at it to see what it says. But that that kind of says, hey, this is great level entry level Bordeaux. You know, it's yeah. not sub level entry level. Mm-hmm. It's the good level Bordeaux. Well, because there's crew Borgalis exceptional mm-hmm. and superior and it goes on down from there and there's like they started out to be 440 different ones that mm-hmm. were classified in the crew but now there's only 200 and something so the number has gotten to be less and primarily like you said earlier primarily they're Cabernet Sauvignon mm-hmm. and they're probably you know out of all those wines, they could be owned, you know, a couple different labels could have the same owner. Yes. Yeah. So it's, you know, learning some of those intricacies is really important when it comes to Bordeaux. Or having somebody you trust in a liquor store or a restaurant is really important so that they can help you understand that if you don't want to kind of go through the process yourself. So this is Chateau Graysac. See the bottle? Yeah. Well, this um, crew classification started in 1932. And mm-hmm. like I said, there was 400, actually, there's 445 in that classification. Yeah. And now it's down to, I'm going to have to look here for the number, but it was down, it's down to 247 in 2003. Right. So I don't know that the quality or anything is changing. Mm-hmm. It's just the number of estates maybe have kept that rating right so it i found that quite interesting so next time i look at a a bordeaux i'm gonna look for that crew rating Mm -hmm. right find out really what it's telling me right and then you know also this one says that it's that it's from the medoc so yes since it has that it's saying that it's coming from this one particular region now there are 40-some-odd sub-regions when it comes to Bordeaux. Mm -hmm. It is a beast to know. But knowing that that Medoc 
say, hey, it's going to come from the, r- the left side of the river. It's going to be kind of more full-bodied in style. Mm-hmm. It may be a little bit more in my face mm-hmm. when it comes to the wines. And for the most part, it's going to be mostly Cabernet. Now, in America, a lot of the times on the back label, we'll have the, the breakdown of, of grape variety. So you can kind of see that what's going on there. But it's a, <laughs> like I said, there's, like we could probably do four different wine episodes on Bordeaux alone because there's so much going on in Bordeaux. So well, let's try some steak with it. All right. So let's go ahead and get into it. So this is, once again, it's steak au poivre, which is pepper. So he crusted this with pepper and then did a cognac cream sauce. That's right. From the drippings and the leftover pepper. And I wasn't quick enough for we to post on Instagram the uh, beautiful flame when we fired up that cognac. Yeah, if you make this, please be very careful. Well, Alton Brown was uh, who I copied it from. And he says, have your fire extinguisher ready. <laughs> Not water. <laughs> be ready for it. Pray and that just, nothing happens. And just know. That it's going to seem like the pan is blowing up in your hand, but don't drop it. Exactly. Like, know that it's coming and just be confident that you're, you got this. It's a really good stickle paw, Dad. We're doing a lot of first things here, and this was my first on that. And I'm glad Josh did the flaming part, because <laughs> I would have had it under the uh, vent fan, and we'd have burnt that vent fan completely up. So be careful. It flamed up, what would you think, two feet almost. Oh, yeah. It's really good. We just took about a pepper. That spiciness of the pepper goes really well with this wine because it's got a little bit, it doesn't have a whole lot of peppery flavor, but adding that to it really, really enhances the wine. When I get more of that earthiness to it, don't you? With that, that pepper. Yeah, because pepper has that earth, has that earthy kind of flavor. And I guess if you had a grinder that ground your peppercorns up really large, you could do you could use your grinder, but the way Alton did this and the way I did it is you put peppercorns in a metal pan and take your hammer and mash them open. Yeah. And that's so, really all you're trying to do is get them open. So I kind of want to say this. Just, just in the, you know, 20 minutes that we've been talking about this since our first taste of the wine, mm-hmm. we both just poured a little bit more in our glasses and the wine is showing up. The wine is showing a whole, whole lot more. Oh, yeah. Showing much. It still has that great earthy quality, but there's a lot more of the fruit and some like stony quality coming out to it. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know much about the soil in this area, Josh, since you were there? I, 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 know, a little, I know a little bit about well, it. Well, I really didn't research that, but I think, I think we're, you're, you talked about barnyard and I talked about earthiness with the peppercorn. I'm, I'm curious as to what kind of soil this is. So over in the in the Medoc, it's more gravelly. Okay, like it's more, yeah. it's more of a gla- gravelly loam. Because, like I said, so I called. We're getting into geography terms now. So I called the the Gironde an estuary. So it's a tidal estuary where it goes out into the ocean and is kind of affected by the tide. Now the vineyards on that side of the river are coming from that what they call an alluvial plain. Right. So it's going to be really rocky. It's going to have a lot of stone to it. There's actually a subregion down farther near Bordeaux called Graves, which means gravel. Okay. So that it is there. It is quite gravelly there. So the soil is going to have that stoniness, which 
which what that does is it helps the soil to drain really well. Yeah, okay. So that gives the it gives the the vines time to kind of not get too much water. Um, they'll struggle a good bit, which is what you want. Mm-hmm. And it gives some of that earthy um, minerality to it. Okay. When it comes to the wines itself. And the Medoc is, is one of the more northern. It's kind of the most northern region. So it's going to be closest to the ocean. Right. And at the largest part of that estuary. So it's going to be still in that tidal plain where you do get a lot of that rocky, gravelly soil um, that's going to that's gonna drain really well. That steak's wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it, is very, it is very good. Yeah. So what are you tasting with it? Well, like we both said, the, the pepper and then the... I'm trying to differentiate that cognac sauce and what it might be doing because the sauce is kind of thin over the steak. Maybe we need a big spoonful of the sauce itself. But it was made... From, you pour all the drippings out, but you've still got the pepper. And then you pour in the cognac, fire it, and then you use heavy cream. In my case, I used half and half. So, but it's, it's a nice, sweet sauce. Right. And then at the end, it says, oh, maybe you want to put another tablespoon <laughs> of straight liquid. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, you know... The booziness of the cognac burns off. That's why you flame it. And it leaves that, that sweet earthiness mm-hmm. that we've had before. And the cream being coating, to me, I don't think the cream is doing a whole lot. No. I think the big thing is the pepper and the meat. Right. You know, the pepper and that meat quality kind of go well. And the sauce is just kind of a light coating of sweetness, which I don't think really does a whole lot with the wine. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't do harm either. No, that's a really good. It's a good pairing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but this is. I think if we would have had a ribeye or something that's really fatty with this, right? It wouldn't quite be as well because the tannins on this aren't really that high. They're there, but they're not really as strong and forward. Like they don't coat my tongue or coat my teeth when no. I drink it. No, but that pepper, you get one of those peppercorns, and it it <laughs> it kind of coats the back of your mouth wherever it is. Now, the cookie that I have here, my brother-in-law, Randy, made the cookies. He got the recipe from his executive chef, and I forget where Randy works. J.P. Morgan Chase. That's right, J.P. Morgan Chase. And so it's the executive chef cookie recipe. Cool. It uses buckwheat flour. Interesting. And he uses... 75% 75% cocoa. Okay. Chocolate. So really, really. So, it, yeah. So it's a, cho- it's a chocolate cookie that's got chocolate, chocolate bits in it, right? Or no, it's just a chocolate cookie. And then uh, there's, there's some salt, vanilla, you know, kind of your typical cookie. And then we have brownies that, you know, I think these brownies came out of a box. So before you jump into the, into the, we, we jump into the cookie, I want to mention something about cognac. So I, I kind of alluded to this at the very beginning. Cognac is maybe a two-hour drive away from Bordeaux. Oh, okay. So we're coming from the same. So we're still in that south, you know, like kind of southwest-ish, south central um, part of mm-hmm. central part of France. But it's it's really close to it. So that you mm-hmm. know, having that cognac 
with um with this is a really good so when i so my dad mentioned i was over there i was a i was so so lucky to be able to go over to what's called un premier we talked about how bordeaux has been extremely popular for a long long time so what people would do is they would buy what are called futures of the wine oh and there would be this big party or not big party the big event called un premier so the premier of the Mm -hmm. wine and what it is is you like if i was a wholesaler or if i was an importer i would go to all these different tastings and i would go okay i like this wine i'm not going to get it for two more years so you're tasting it fresh out of the barrel when it's it's got still rip roaring tannins and it's not even refined at all Mm -hmm. and you're finding what you want to buy in the future right so you're saying okay uh and back when it started you would actually like taste barrels and you would buy an entire barrel you'd be like okay that barrel i want that barrel and i want that barrel and i'll buy them now but i don't get them for another two years or until they're ready to release them so i was able to go to this um this amazing thing Uh, we Jeff, Joe, and I talked about it in the wine in the wine podcast. I think we're gonna have to do another one because the audio on that one was just absolutely horrid. But we were tasting. That was a live bar. Well, there was a lot of there were a lot thing. of things going, there were a lot of things going on with that one. But they, we t- so we tried probably seventy to hundred wines a day. Mm-hmm. We started from seven in the morning and we didn't get back to our Airbnb that we were at until like ten eleven at night. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that was really interesting was getting to try all this stuff when it's really young and then move forward. Sort of like Nouveau Beaujolais. Kind of. Well, except sure it was better. <laughs> well, except, you know, Nouveau come like that's being released. This is not even being yeah. released. One so of you're th- tasting it from the cast? Well, we weren't. Okay. So well, what they do now is they take the they take the cast, they put it in bottles, and they have tasting. Okay. But one of the things that we were able to do is we were we had lunch. The the importer that we were able to go with had set up lunches and dinners with the vintners and everything, mm-hmm. and we got to try so much stuff, All, almost to a tea at dinner. At the end of dinner, at the end of this two and a half hour dinner where they've been popping bottles the entire night, they would bring out the Armagnac. <laughs> like, almost like always, always Armagnac or Cognac came out. Here comes the good stuff. <laughs> so, so there's been a play between these two regions, and it was just something that always stuck out with me. I got to try some amazing XO Armagnac while I was there. But oh, okay. them being that close together, they're, right. you know, they share so much, but it was. Right. I mean, it was a great experience to try, but, um, so that, that was really cool to know. And then knowing that the steak au poivre has it in there, um, was, you know, I think it was, you know, a great choice. I noticed another little thing on my bottle it said, Espirit Divin. You know what it means? It means ethyl alcohol spirits of wine. <laughs> so it's, it's on the back. Right. And there's like a website too. I don't know. I didn't go to the website to see what that was. Right. So there, there's an importer called Esprit de Vin that brings it in. Something else on the label. And then, Dad, go ahead and start trying the cookie while I'm saying this. 
so something else that's important is on the label, you want to see for a right bank Bordeaux, you want to see something that says Mise en Boutle à Chateau Chateau, which means it's made and bottled at the Chateau. So okay. it's not like they're buying a bunch of stuff and then putting it together. Right. They're, okay. It's all done in, in-house, in basically. Well, and this uh, vineyard, Chateau, is 150 acres. So, again, it's not that huge. Mm-mm. I found it interesting as well that they have a Bordeaux Blanc. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, of course, it's a... 100% Sauvignon Blanc grape. So it, it kind of surprised me a little bit because I always thought red red wine only. Oh yeah. There's some great there's some great white Bordeaux. Um they're made from like you said Sauvignon Blanc and then Simeon. Mhm. And remember when I had Magion, you know, her Sauternes is a it's a Bordeaux. Mhm. Sauternes is a subregion of the Bordeaux, of Bordeaux. So it's another it's another good you know, surprising wine that we, you know, that's a whole nother, you know, Salterns and Sweet Wines of Bordeaux are a whole nother episode <laughs> in, in and of itself. <laughs> but that cookie's pretty good. I can definitely tell it's not regular flour. Yeah, buckwheat flour. And I'm going to try with the wine and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And there's some saltiness in there. Definitely taste that. And the good, the good chocolate. It goes really well. I mean, it kind of, the chocolate kind of kills the wine. Like it went away, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of takes over. I don't know if that's the buckwheat flour or if it's the chocolate. Well, you know, last week when we did the cognac, the bitterness of the, of the chocolate went away when we tasted the cognac. So this is sort of the opposite. Yeah. I'm having the brownie now. I'm going to try it again. I'm trying the cookie again. That's a little bit more. That's a little bit better. See if it does it. It does it again. Yeah, it did it again. Mm-hmm. And like I said, these brownies, you know, these are just out of the box. I like the brownie. Brownie's good. I think the brownie's a little bit better because it's a sweeter. Mm-hmm. It's a sweeter pairing, and I think that sweetness okay. kind of goes a little bit better. All right, anything else you want to say about your wine well, before we, we could, move on? We could go on and on, right? Yeah. We're going to have to... <laughs> It's a lot. We how many episodes a, did you say we should do? We could we could do a <laughs> lot of episodes on on Bordeaux. There's a there's a lot to it. You ready to switch over? Sure, absolutely. All right. So we're gonna switch over to my wine. This is the Chateau Turnfeld. Josh is the winemaker of this one. I am not the <laughs> winemaker. I have met him. You said it's your wine. I... The wine that I am. Okay. The Chateau Turnfeld. Um, this is from La, the Lalonde de Pomerol region. Uh, this is a 2016. Uh, my snacks are, we've got some Comte cheese, uh, which I think we'll do the cheeses first, Dad. Okay. And some goat's cheese, or chevre. Uh, I have a, basically a goat loin chop, or goat T-bone, with some onion and bell pepper. Not goat, lamb. I've got goat on the brain. I got it's lamb, like a lamb T-bone, and then we have some vanilla and chocolate macarons. Couldn't decide whether we were do chocolate or vanilla. Well, the package I bought had both, so oh, okay. <laughs> I thought we I thought we go ahead and taste both. All right. So, like we've said earlier, this wine is a right bank Bordeaux, 
it comes from the region that's called La Landa Pomeral, which, you know, if we translate it, it's the land around or the land of Pomeral. So, so it has definitely opened up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. But I still get that, that purple mm-hmm. ends to it. Yeah, so this wine is 70, 70% Merlot and 30% Cabernet Franc. Oh, okay. So that's one of the things about the... Those are the only two? Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. One of the things about the right bank of Bordeaux, so Saint-Emilion's, Pomerol's, Lalanda Pomerol's, Fonsac's, they are going to be Merlot-based. Instead of the instead of Cabernet the, Sauvignon, which they said left bank was, but mine wasn't. <laughs> that's correct. Um, so... There's a so we've talked about a little bit about how some of the most expensive wines in the world come from come from the Bordeaux region. One of the most one of those is called Chateau Petrus, which uh, most people have probably heard of Petrus. Uh, it comes from the Pomerol region. Now Pomerol is tiny. The region of Pomerol is I think it's like twenty acres, twenty hectares. Oh really? Um, so it is not. It is not big at all. Mm-hmm. And Lalanda Pomerol is just a little bit outside of Pomerol. When, so, I, like I mentioned, I was able to go to Bordeaux. One of the vintners that we, one of the places we went and had dinner was Chateau Tornfeld. And when we were in his vineyard, he, showed, he was showing us around, which was really, which was really awesome. And he had this little creek. So you've been to this vineyard. I've actually been to this vineyard. I've been to, there's a picture of a house on the label. Mm -hmm. I've been in that house and drank. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And drank wine. I've I've drank with, that's not where we had dinner. We had dinner with the the owner, the family owner and winemaker um, while we were there. Fantastic little Mm -hmm. dinner. But what I was, what I was saying was in, on his land, there's a little creek that runs through it. And he goes, you see that over there on the other side of the creek? There's, you know, there's some trees. And then you see a vineyard. And he goes, oh, he goes, yeah, right over there. That's Petrus. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that, that's Pomerol. There's, there's some Petrus over there. And we're like, are you, ta- are you in, like being that close? Mm-hmm. And Petrus is going to run you thou- like probably $1,000. And this was $35. Yeah. So learning some of that, like. I love Pomerol wines, but I can't afford all Pomerol wines. You no. Know, even if they're $50, $60 a bottle, can't afford those all the time. But we if didn't I talk about mine, it was less than 30 Right. But knowing that Lalonde Pomerol is going to be on, most, on some of the same soil, mm-hmm. it's a stone's throw away, mm-hmm. and it's going to be half the price. So that's one of the reasons I, I love this wine. And it, I think it's just a, it's a really good wine. Like Dad said, it's a little bit more purpley, which means that it's that more Merlot and the Cabernet Franc. It's still got that good earthiness. Now, what's the alcohol on it? Because I put my nose in there and I get some good alcohol. Uh, the alcohol on this is 13.5. So the it's same. the same as yours. Exactly the same. So it's just that it's opened up a little bit. I think that's true. A little bit more, kind of some red fruit on there. Getting a little bit more. Cherry, mm-hmm. raspberry, raspberry, red raspberry. Mm. But it's got so much tannin. Yeah. It's got a lot more tannin. Feel it on my teeth. I feel my mouth drying out. Mm-hmm. But it's watering still, so that means there's good acid on it. Right. Try this cheese. 
Yeah, so we've got some Comte cheese here. It's it's a French cheese. It's a little dry. It's a dry cheese, a hard cheese, I guess you could say. A little bit of earthiness, a little bit of funk to oh, it. nutty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which will go well with the wine. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That cheese, like, pulls the barnyard out. Mm-hmm. But, well, it, it takes, it kind of adds the barniness to the cheese itself. Mm-hmm. And kind of rounds out the earthiness of the cheese and then mm-hmm. presents some more of the fruit to you know we're looking at this wine being open for about an hour and a half now hour and a half yeah we've been recording for about 52 minutes oh my goodness and i opened it opened a little bit before mm-hmm. uh, before we started okay that's a wrap we're gonna <laughs> <laughs> josh's pairings are great okay the wine's great we'll see you later so but no i think it's really good uh, we talked a lot about the classifications. Just something to note, when it comes to the left bank, uh, they have a different, when it's a Saint-Emilion, they have a different ranking system that changes every 10 years. Mm. It has, to, it's Grand Cru Class A. But in Pomerol and Lalonde Pomerol, there aren't actually any classifications. So that's why it's not as big of a deal. Um, it's kind of knowing what's good and then the region itself, because Lalonde Pomerol mm. is another small region. As well. So, how's the goat cheese with it? I'm just not touched it. Goat cheese always seems sweet to me. Got a lot of sweetness. Mm-hmm. Try the wine with it. Have you tried it? No, I just had the comb take in. Try not to rush. Mm-hmm. Even though I know we need That's what it is. That's nice. I mean, that sweetness of the goat cheese. Is it pulling out more sweetness of the wine? So... Goat cheese is going to be sweet, but it's also got a lot of acid. It's like yogurt. It makes, it makes my mouth dry, Josh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Made your mouth kind of dry out and start watering. So, yeah. To me, the acid plays so well. makes my mouth continue to water. It focuses the wine on the acid and kind of goes a little bit more into the... A little bit more into, like, if you were to put cherry, like... Good yo like good Greek yogurt with like sour cherries in it. Uh huh. Okay. Kind of reminds me of that. That was the key word, sour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's the acid on the acid there, which is making that sour. Sourness. Yeah. Sour. But yeah, so these these little lamb chops. Now, how'd you do them? So I put I seasoned them with salt, pepper, garlic powder, thyme, and oregano. Pan seared them and then finished them in the oven. Mm-hmm. The shallots and the bell pepper, mm-hmm. I quick sauteed in the pan mm-hmm. uh, w- that the that the lamb was cooked in, and then they finished in the oven with the with the lamb. All right. Uh, so one thing about Bordeaux and either side of Bordeaux, they're going to go well with things that are a little bit more gamey. Hunters out there, I saw a lot of stuff saying that deer. Deer would have been a good pairing with it. Rabbit, even. Mm-hmm. Deer, rabbit, quail, pheasant, duck. So a lot of those, a lot of those meats, because we've talked about this before, but you know these are farming regions, so right. they're not real. While there is a lot of trading that happens in Bordeaux, just because of the region, or just because of its location to the ocean, it's still kind of farmland. So they're going to make wine to go with what they what they've got. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons that the wine's going to go really well with that. 
And I cooked this to about a, a medium. Yeah. What do you think? It's really good. I mean, the lamb's a little tougher than that steak because it was r- rare. There's a lot of really good flavor to it. Yeah, there's the... You know, you keep saying what goes together grows together. Or what grows I mean, together goes together. I mean, that's such... But like, I still think of fish. I mean, there, I would do it. Oh, yeah. Def- this is this is definitely fish. You could definitely do fish with this. Mm-hmm. You could do a good hearty river fish. Mm-hmm. Trout maybe a little bit light. I don't know. I'd try it. I don't know. Well, of course, yeah, you try it. But definitely you could do tuna. You could do salmon with both of these. They've got enough structure to them. And those fishes are fatty enough. Oh, yeah. And they've got enough going on to them. Um, I've seen a couple recipes that are like sea bass. Oh, yeah, that worked, has, that worked um, great. Sea bass. Some of it depends on the sauce that you put with it. You wouldn't want to have too acidic of a sauce mm-hmm. um, to go with it. But that would be that would be a good if you want to do a fish pairing with red. Um, this that would be a great one. Just some uh, salmon with a simple maybe uh, basil, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, white with fish. No, <laughs> we right. just keep we keep saying that, guys. You don't have to. If you want to, do it. Right. But, you know, also, we also say eat what you like, drink what you like. Mm-hmm. So did you try the onions and the bell pepper with it, too? I haven't yet. This wine seems to be much drier. Mm-hmm. And what would you say, the, the 60% Merlot? Or 60, uh, 60%. Caber- Cabernet Franc. 60% Merlot. 30% Cabernet Franc. It just seems like it's a much drier wine. It's going to be a little bit drier because it doesn't have all that, doesn't have some of that fruitiness of the Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be as deep in color. It doesn't have some of that color and body that Petit Verdot gives wine. And it is a little bit drier. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. I did the pairing of the, of the peppers, Josh. I mean, the sweetness of those peppers. Yeah, and with the lamb. You know, the light gaminess of the lamb goes really well with the earthiness of the of the wine itself. And, you know, kind of the herbs gives mm-hmm. it some of that extra fruit that you're looking for. Right. And, I mean, I think, you know, I don't get a whole lot of dryness when I'm with this pairing. No. Itself. Tell us more about the vineyard this comes from. So, I mean, you said you were there. Right. Do they, I mean, do they grow all kinds of grapes or just these two that's in this wine? Well, I've seen some where they have some Cabernet Sauvignon in it, but they particularly stay within the Merlot side, being on the other side of the river. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, they've been making wine for a long time, just like you, you know, ever since the Middle Ages. Now, the family's been doing it since about 1783. By the seventeen, by the seventeen hundreds, <laughs> yeah. and it's still, you know, it's still owned by the same family, still run by the same family mm-hmm. that it is, and it's just, you know, it's a their acreage. They don't have they don't have a whole whole lot of acreages when it comes to it. Right. The house that's on there is the original house, and it's kind of wow. used more for uh, tourism now. The family doesn't really still live there. 
One of the things that I thought was interesting about Bordeaux, and especially this guy, he explained it to us. They try and stay away from having pesticides that cover their vineyards to keep the bugs away because there's a particular butterfly that likes to, in the region, that likes to uh, lay its eggs on, on vines. Oh, really? And so rather than spraying for the pesticides and killing the bugs, they work with a, uh, the region has worked with, you know, some scientists to come up with a pheromone treatment. Mm. So they, they have these little hangers on the vines that has, it emits a particular pheromone that keeps the butterfly away. Okay. And so it doesn't even land on there. And so it's, it's, it was just really fascinating to see that, you know, they're, they're really thinking about the land and everything. You know, this family, this is kind of, I think this is kind of one of their mainstays when it comes to the wine, what the wines that they make. But they actually also make a uh, Palmeral. So they do have, they do have some vineyard, some vineyard space in Palmeral where they make one, which is, it's, it's really good. It's called Chateau Le, Le Curie. And it's, it's really good. And, you know, a lot of this, you know, all this is like hand harvested, not a whole lot of machines. Um, mm. Well, they kind of take a little bit more of a hands-off approach when it comes in, in the vineyard, trying to make more of the friendlier style. So one of the things about these wines is they're meant to age a long time. Mm-hmm. And they can age a long time. So some, so some of these vineyards are actually trying to make stuff that's a little bit quicker to drink. Um, like I said, this is 2016. It's tasting great. It is tasting great. But it could sit for another 20 years, and it would be just fine. If we could hide it from ourselves. We could put it away for 20 years, yes. <laughs> it, could, it, would definitely, it would definitely last for another 20 years. I mean, you know, there are Bordeaux that are, you know, I know some people who've, who've drank some Bordeaux back into the like the 1920s the 1930s and even farther back than that Mm. and they still taste they still taste just fine as long as they've been cellared properly you know down in the in the in the cellars you know the families will have wines back into the 1800s okay so it's it's really cool to see i lean a little bit more toward the right bank when i drink oh really when I pick Bordeaux, I like oh, is that. I don't know. There's just something about the way it's structured. I like a little bit better, a little bit more. Did you visit the left bank when you were in France? Yeah, we went to Chateau Turnfeld. Oh, did you? And you know Chateau Dassault. Okay. Uh, owned by the Dassault family, who owns Dassault Falcon Jet. Okay. They're over in on the South Mignon side, and mm-hmm. we were, we were able to visit there. We went to almost we went to a lot of the different regions. Well, while we were there, we even went to the Altar de Mer, which is kind of in the middle. But uh, it was it was lots of fun. It was a great trip. I definitely would do it again if I'm ever asked. So I've been snacking over here on the suite. Yeah. So tell me about it. Well, it brought a character out of the wine that I hadn't had before. You know, we've talked about how dry the wine was when I was eating the suite. The wine's not dry. All of a sudden, it's just like. Sweet, tasting, smooth wine. Didn't make my mouth water because maybe it's because I had the sweet in there. Mm-hmm. And what, what'd you get? Same kind of thing. 
acid and sweet, you know, will kind of cover each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are, you know, good sweet macarons. And they it does kind of cover up. I'm having one of the chocolate. Um, it does kind of cover up a lot of that acidity, a lot of that tannin structure. So you get a lot of good fruit, a lot of that good black and red fruit that mm-hmm. just drives through the mm-hmm. wine. And I, you know, I think I think it's a good pairing. It is a great pairing. <laughs> have you had one of the vanillas yet? I have. Chocolate seemed to work better. Better pairing because it's more sweet. I think. I'm not sure. You got to try it. I'm getting there. I had to finish my first one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's um, I love you know Bordeaux. There's so much when it comes to Bordeaux. There's so much going on. You know, we could do, like I said, we could do tons of episodes on Bordeaux alone. And we'll do another one, I'm sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. We will. <laughs> what would you think of the what? The vanilla. You're right. It's not quite as good. I think some of the cocoa structure, that extra mm-hmm. from the cocoa is, is, goes, well, goes better with the wine than the vanilla. Yeah. The earthiness of the vanilla. So, not that it's bad. Nope, not that it's bad, but you just rather have the, the chocolate And one. I think, I think, I hadn't tried the, I'm going to reach out over here, try some of this chocolate that we had on the other plate, see what that does. Mm-hmm. Brownie. But, you know, this wine, it's, it's a great, it's a great wine. It's a little, you know, for a lot of people, it's a little bit above your price range, but I t- I'm telling you, if you go ahead and just jump out there, if you only buy this, you know, this, this type of wine, special meal it's going to go great with almost anything you cook i just sit you know if you need a little help pairing josh will take care of that for you. <laughs> well if you buy the wine you know from what we're tasting you know decant it about half an hour you know open it port and do port and do another you know another carafe for about a half an hour before before you're going to go ahead and drink it yeah and just enjoy it. there there's there's a lot going on here you know i feel it's hard to kind of narrow it down into you know, an hour and an hour and fifteen minutes as 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 you've seen so far, but or well, that, you know, an hour you know, time. Yeah, you know, check it uh, out. There's what else do you have to talk about on yours? You could go on and on. I'm I sure. mean, I could I could go on a lot, but I think I think we should just kind of go ahead and you know save it here and um, head toward the blind. Well, before we do the blind, let's talk about our favorites. Mm, that's right. So, what were your favorites tonight? Well, on the gray sock wine i think that steak aplomb mm-hmm. it kind of the the pepper drew out some flavors that i hadn't anticipated i don't think i'm having second thoughts but that cheese sandwich was really good for just a little simple cheese sandwich you know for me it it was my my favorite pairing was the the sandwich with the onion yeah with that balsamic red onion and the cheese it was it was really good that the sweet the earth you know the vinegar like it had it kind of had everything as a sandwich and then the wine kind of going with it yeah those were the, those were definitely the top two on my plate right and then what, what nothing about, nothing against the cookie or or the brownie right it's just they didn't pair as well with with that particular wine what so, do you think about your wine and your plate uh you know my favorite was the lamb lamb and the shallots and the pepper went so well with that the earthy gaminess of the 
of the lamb went really, really well with the wine. And I think it just, it made, it, it made each other sing. Mm-hmm. What about you? Well, both of those cheeses went so well. I'm, I'm with you about the, about the lamb. The lamb was really good. And so were the two sweets, the macarons. Mm-hmm. But the two different cheeses, and I'm struggling to pick one. You know, I love goat cheese, but I, I was happy with, what was it called? Comet? Comte. Comte. That, wine, that cheese and that wine went so well together. Uh, the nuttiness of the wine, the nuttiness of the cheese. Right. You know, they just paired really perfect. Okay, cool. Well, uh, well let's, uh, let's head into the blind. All right. All right. Time for the tasting. All right, we're going to be doing a blind. I'm going to be doing a blind tasting of a wine. I am using a tasting sheet that was developed by uh, Jennifer Hendrickson, who works at Domain Serene currently. And you ready? I'm ready. Uh, what color so is it, Josh? This. Let me talk. <laughs> uh, this is a red wine. There's no evidence of gas or sediment. It is kind of a deeper shade of ruby, almost purple, going out to kind of a magenta, watery meniscus. So there's no evidence of gas or sediment. Now there's some kind of like pinky hue to it. There is a little bit of staining. So there's a little bit of color that comes into the tears that I'm seeing that are, you know, kind of medium, medium plus on the tears. And to the nose. This is a clean wine, uh, moderate intensity of kind of a youthful i'd say yeah definitely youthful some kind of like earthiness coming through at first a little bit of herbiness but definitely some like good black and red fruit some blackberries black cherry some regular cherry dustiness on it too the light light floralness yeah there's definitely like some dried some dried floral notes on this fruit seems kind of like it's like maybe dried or stewed a little bit of earthiness a little bit of kind of like good dirt good dirt smell not really getting a whole lot of minerality on the nose i'm pretty sure there's some kind of oak usage because there's some light some light um baking spice on there on to the taste it's a dry wine body on it's kind of kind of light a little bit of a lean texture on it. Ooh. Tans are medium medium plus, definitely. Tans are medium plus. Alcohol is medium to medium plus. Uh, acid is medium to medium plus. It's a good wine. I so, think it'd pair well with all these foods we yeah. have today. Um, fruits, I'm going to go ahead and confirm. The cherry, the dry cherries, the cooked cherries, the little bit of blackberry. Some extra, like, Fresh uh, cherry, a little bit of like acidic cherry on it. Still with that earthiness that's coming forward first. That vegetal, that like dusty, good dirt, um, dried fruit, dried, uh, dried flower kind of characteristic going on. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Some, there's going to be some oak usage on this. Definitely some evidence of baking spices. A little bit of vanilla, some nutmeg, some clove. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so um, this wine tends toward uh, the earth. 
the earthiness. Um, but the complexity is probably medium, and the finish is kind of medium, medium plus. So because of it leaning toward the earth, I'm going to say this is an old world wine from kind of a moderate climate uh, with the fruit forward comingness of possible grapes. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, some strawberry in there. Grenache, Movedra, um, maybe Beaujolais, or maybe um, Gamay, um, maybe some Syrah in there, maybe a little bit of Cabernet. Possible countries, this could come from France, it could come from Spain, it could come from Italy. Uh, I think this is probably three to five years old, uh, maybe five to six years old as well. All right. Yeah. Okay. I think this is a blend. Um, I think it's a GS, I think it's Grenache Sarama Vedra based blend from the, yeah, I'm going to say, I said old worm. Yeah. I'm going to say it's from, it's from the Rhone region of France. I'm not going to go any deeper than that. Maybe just call it a Cote de Rhone. I think it is a a good quality wine. And I will call it a 2016. So, Rhone Blend from 2016. Sounds good. That's what my guess is. All right. I'll come back next come week. Come back next week. See if I got it right or if I totally botched that one again. Uh-oh. And then um, uh, we're headed to beer next week, right, Dad? That's right. What are we What are we going to do? We're doing Belgian beers. Ooh. Belgian beers. Yeah. You're going to have some stories for that episode. Well, we'll see. So what are you going to be doing? I'm doing Orval. Orval. Good little. One of my favorites. What are you going to do, Josh? I'm going to be doing the St. Bernardus ABT 12. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> Another good one. So um, we're both doing some good Trappist tales. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about what that means next week. Yeah. Uh, don't forget to follow us on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, most active on, on Instagram, at Acquired Tastings. Feel free to give us a follow or a subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And uh, shoot us a review. Let us know what you're thinking, or reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Yeah. And uh, we'd love to we'd love to get talking with you guys. And um, we're pretty excited that filling up the map. You know, we're seeing some new we've seen some new uh, some new uh, listeners out in you know, a couple places in Europe. And uh, All right. it's been yeah. uh, been cool to see. But uh, once again, thanks for listening. I'm Josh Mills, and I'm John Mills, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, and goodbye.